The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. I do have some tough news uh, to start today's show. It's a you know relatively new show. It's kind of tough. Uh, it's, so it's the first time it's happening to me. For those of you that were tuning in to listen to uh, the great and wonderful Peter Taylor uh, with the travel issues that were happening in the Northeast, uh, he was unable to make today's show. So we had uh, planned on talking about social project management and his great new book, uh, The Social Project Manager. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to be unable to do that today, but I don't want you to leave me just yet because uh, we're going to be talking about a different topic. And uh, what I want to share with you today is kind of that holy grail for IT management. And uh, this is something, a concept that we've been building over time. Uh, I alluded to that uh, when we talked to John Stenbeck a, a few weeks ago when we had agile management, project management on there. And really, there's, there's a huge problem that's uh, out there right now for us uh, in IT management. And there's been this holy grail kind of moment uh, the people have been looking for, especially when you're looking for uh, cost management, application management, time management, all of these different things. And there's this variety of tools, especially what's known in application economy. Uh, and so today I'm going to share with you some of the groundbreaking ideas of uh, what we call total application lifecycle management. So if you're expecting to listen to uh, Peter today, again, we apologize. We are going to be rescheduling this call uh, when when it's safer for him to uh, travel, make the call. Uh, but I don't want you guys to leave because we're gonna we're gonna share this concept of what we call total application lifecycle management. It's actually a building block. It's a strategy. Uh, that's going to be going on um, over time. And it's a way to leverage several investments that most people have already made within their IT infrastructure. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. My name's Rick Morris, host of the Work-Life Balance. You can reach me uh, with Twitter with at Rick A. Morris. Uh, find me at www.rsquaredconsulting.com uh, or I'm at, uh, you can find me with rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com. Reach out to me today, especially about this, this concept. So let's start talking first about all the different investments we've made uh, in our IT infrastructure. And there's several downfalls that we've made in our IT infrastructure uh, that uh, these holes that we've been trying to fill. So, you know, the first one that most people have made is, is a support desk. So within your support desk, we've got our IT trouble ticket calls. These are, you know, our... our uh, help desk system will help us with, you know, uh, this user's got an issue, you know, it's a password reset, uh, or they're having a problem with hardware, or something of that sort. So what's great about ticketing systems, it's a way for us to track our issues. And then there's been this concept over time uh, called ITIL, uh, so IT Infrastructure Library. And a lot of people have looked at that as a way to help set up their IT shops. 
And ITEL addresses your help desk situation in, in these three levels of, of uh, help desk. So you have your level one, and what you're looking for in your level one is that first ticket call closure, right? So there, as soon as somebody calls into the, the help desk, we're trying to resolve that ticket as soon as somebody calls in. And then you have your level two, which is where we should be escalating the things that we couldn't get that first uh, ticket closure uh, completed with. And these are supposed to be our longer-term technicians, people that uh, know a lot more about the information, and they're ones that are supposed to be collecting these lower-level tickets into higher-level issues uh, and looking for bigger problems and, and can resolve those. And then you have your level three. These are your architects, your 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 long-term employees, uh, the super smart people. They're generally higher-dollar people, and they're supposed to be looking across the entire landscape and looking for efficiencies. And they're also the ones that are supposed to be uh, trying to look at the landscape of your entire IT portfolio and trying to find ways to lower costs. So that's, you know, the the uh, advent of a help desk, what most people try to aspire to. Now, the problem is, is that those level two and level three people end up getting pulled into these level one problems. Or as over time, you know, the executives or people that have been in the organization a long time know the level two and three people. They don't want to go through level one. They just pick up the phone, call them directly. Uh, and pull away from those things. And and so you have this help desk system, and it's a great collection of information uh, as far as your applications and your systems, as far as the number of things that have gone wrong, um, you know, the number of issues that you've had over time. And there's some reporting that people can get out of these systems, but it lacks a lot of, of general information, certainly around, you know, how much time have we spent in support, how much time have we spent uh, it, it, with specific applications? And, and there's simply a lot of downfall for information that we're trying to find. So while the support desk systems are nice, they lack any kind of financial information. They lack any kind of time. And most people don't want to put any kind of that level of information in there. So then we get into our next level of system, which has been you know a hotbed of activity recently, which is your development systems, your your agile type systems. And so your big ones out there right now are certainly Rally. Rally's got a fantastic system. Uh, People use Jira. uh, People use Team Foundation Server. Uh, These tools are great, especially in these agile worlds, because it allows us to take a big problem or project, maybe do some high-level prioritization. You have somebody like a product owner who can help us Uh, prioritize what we want to do with features or product sets. But what's fantastic about this is it allows developers to begin to break down these product sets and and all of these different projects into consumable chunks so that they can get into their daily scrum meetings or their agile meetings and really break this down into, you know, consumable tasks that fit into these eight-hour or even, you know, some go down into 20-minute, 30-minute kind of tasks. And everybody can see and estimate the work that they need to get done. Those then can get scheduled into sprints. These sprints then can get scheduled within two-week kind of cycles. And it is a very agile framework. And so these tools are very, very good at taking, you know, large chunks of work, breaking them down, and just, you know, putting it into different teams. They're very agile in the sense that, you know, hey, I may need to pull this developer in or I may need to pull this person in to help me work on it. Uh, tracking who's done the work. It has some nice estimation in there as far as how long something should take, how long I actually worked on it, how much time needs to uh, is remaining. Uh, they've got some nice feature sets within them. 
that helps you uh, organize your sprints, uh, help you organize even, you know, all the way back up to your project level and that kind of thing. The, the downfall of these types of systems, though, is that, you know, they're very, very good at development type projects or even outside of certain development projects. They're good at projects that have, you know, large scales that we want to break down, have multi-teams that we want to work very quickly on and go from there. What they lack sometimes, though, is, again, financial information, maybe that high-level prioritization, maybe uh, an engine in which we can uh, bring demand into it. Um, Certainly, uh, some of the projects that don't fit an agile framework. So what if I'm working in more of a hybrid model or I need that traditional waterfall kind of project scheduling methodology? Um, those aren't really built to, to handle that. So while they're really, really good in, in the agile world, and even if I'm a largely agile uh, uh, tool-based system or an agile uh, uh, company, they still lack certain methodologies or pieces that I need in order to run my entire company. So you start to run into those types of problems. So you can see on one tool set side, I've got support information, I've got ticket hygiene information, I've got a lot of kind of stuff, but I don't want to put time in, into that system. On the other side, I've got a great development, agile kind of uh, situation, but I'm still missing some high project information. I'm still missing some uh, prioritization information, some demand, sometimes some high-level reporting. Um, in both systems, I'm really missing some financial uh, pieces. I've also got infrastructure costs that are sitting out there, which is normally sitting in like my SAP system or my PeopleSoft system. And I've got a lot of other ancillary uh, requests. You know, I'm not going to bring my business level uh, people into a tool like a Rally or a Jira. I'm not certainly going to bring them into my support desk tool. So now I start looking for some other tool that's got to sit over top of this. It's got to do my high level project management. I got to start looking for another tool that I can see my demand management come in. Maybe do some workflow analysis. You guys start looking for another tool that um, can help me uh, prioritize at an executive level where I could start putting in my uh, strategic initiatives, let those break into portfolios, and those portfolios start to shake out into projects. So you can see there's these different segments that are out here, and each segment in the application economy needs different information in order to be effective. So for me to be able to run an effective IT operation, you know, there's really, you know, five, six, seven different tools that I have to invest in. And a lot of companies have already invested. So, so many companies out there already own Rally, already own Jira, already own a support desk. And then they start looking for this third set of tools, which is a project management tool, something that's going to do project analysis. And one of the things that Rally and Jira and all these other tools kind of fail to do is while they do a great job of breaking down all of these segments of work, one of the big things that they don't do is resource management. What you know, So we want to be able to forecast the number of roles that we need and how often we're using these roles and you know, how am I going to be using these resources over the next six months? If everything's done in two-week sprints and, and maybe I've got six, seven epics planned, how do I start forecasting that? And beyond that, how do I forecast these resources that aren't in in development cycles. So I've got, you know, DBAs and, and, and QA resources, and I've got, again, business owners and all of this other stuff. And one of the biggest issues I hear from CIOs is, what are my people doing every day? And so that lends itself back to time tracking. So most CIOs and most organizations start going to look for that time tracking tool. 
So we're on a break. When we come back, we're going to start talking about some of those popular time tracking tools, what they're good for, but what they're not good for. And I'm going to lead you down to this path. What we're talking about is this total application lifecycle management. Again, it's the Wizard of Oz talking here, but we do have a way where we tie all these things together. And I'm telling you, this is the breakthrough moment most IT managers have been looking for, and it doesn't cost a bundle. We're going to lead you down that path when we come on the other side of the break here. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, Visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. All right, we're back. So in the last segment, we were talking about two very different tools. You have a support desk tool that tracks your ticket hygiene information, you know, the number of tickets and things that went wrong. But we also found out it really doesn't track, you know, time information, financial information. It really wasn't designed to do so. Over on the other side, you've got your development tools, which helps track your agile information, helps break down large tasks in a small 
uh, chunks so that we can start to uh, schedule our, our sprints and everything else. Very, very good at doing that. We can even get in some time information there, but it doesn't do a really good job of looking at my overall resource information uh, and really even some project prioritization, high-level metrics, doesn't do financials, things like that. So then most, most companies start looking for a project portfolio management tool, and there's tons of them out there. So, you know, most people start with a project server, figure out that that's not really going to do what they want, so they start looking at some of the higher-level ones. And, of course, I'm going to be remiss if I don't mention my favorite tool on the market, which is CAPPM and, of course, the sponsor of this show. So you look at a CAPPM, and I've got hundreds of implementations under my belt, and we inevitably will run into the same thing with most implementations, and that's when we're looking at total time capture. So what happens with total time capture, and CA was one of the first ones on the market to recognize this issue, is that not everything's a project. So initially, most project tools started with this, this as well. They went out with the approach to say, we want to track total time for all employees in IT. But then everything was a project. And so they would start to have to set up projects in order to track things like support time or development projects, specifically when you think about development. Well, what about things like bug fixes or enhancements that come up on internal applications that aren't part of projects? So how do we track things like that? And then you start thinking about, well, what about just admin time? You know, things that just are meetings and, you know, one-on-one meetings and phone calls and, and answering emails, things that don't apply to a project at all. So CA was one of the first ones on the market to come up with what they called uh, non-project investment objects. We'll just call that investments for ease of use. And so they had created these, these other areas or big buckets of time in which you could track time. And that was really a huge advancement in the market. But inevitably, you start to run into, well, okay, so where do we put our support time for our support desk people? Well, great. We have this big bucket of time over here that we could throw out there. And every company starts to do what I call the accordion effect. The accordion effect is is that they want to start to see time broken down into multiple categories in order to get better reporting. So I want to see the amount of time, and let's look at a developer, the amount of time uh, between projects, between bug fix and enhancement. Well, great. We can create a big bucket that says bug fix and create a big bucket that says enhancement, and you can track time against that. Well, that's now two additional uh, line items for a developer to fill out. So at the end of the week, they come in and they go, I don't know, I spent 15 hours on bug fixes, 20 hours on enhancements. And inevitably, uh, an executive starts to look at that and go, well, that's not good enough. What applications did they serve? So then they go, okay, well, we've got 80 applications that we're working on. So now what what are we going to do? Have 160 lines on a timesheet for them to fill out? And everybody starts to recognize that that's an untenable solution. So then they try to start getting fancy and come up with an 80-20 rule. And and everybody has different methodologies in which they want to do this. But at some point, it's still somebody's judgment. And then you still have the employees that are just going to lump sum, throw 40 hours of time onto a timesheet. Go over to the support desk side of the house. On the support desk side of the house, again, how much time was spent supporting an application? How much time was spent? Uh, supporting users, how much of it was user education, how much of it was training, how much of it was password resets. You could see that the concept of, of time tracking in an IT world, there's so much potential, but how do you really accomplish it? And so that became kind of the big question, and everybody kind of gets to a point, and then they realize, well, this is really hard. We're really not going to get the information we're looking for, so they back away from it. And that's where this concept that we're talking about here of total application lifecycle management really, really starts to gain traction. 
but I'm not going to get there yet. So let's continue to talk about the PPM space and the project portfolio management, and I'll continue talking about CAPPM for that matter. So CAPPM continued to create objects and attributes and things like that that allowed users to have total control, and I thought that was phenomenal. I mean, there's really, you're only limited by your imagination as to what we can do with this application and tool. And so there were so many things that we could build and configure and allow for effective time tracking, but it was still missing that piece. And so from a developer's side who was running in Agile and using something like Jira or Rally, they didn't really want to store all the detailed information that they're looking for or that they were tracking in Rally in a CAPPM. Makes total sense, right? CAPPM what we want to do there is, is just have one line item says, I want this module created. And then we ought to fire that off to, over to Rally, let them break it down into their 300 bits that they're going to do, and then somehow roll that back up. And on the support side, we just wanted a big bucket that says support time. They're doing support desk. If we want to know what they're working on, we can go into the support system and run the ticket hygiene information. And that's where some of these ideas are born. So if we start to look at these things, here's the issue. First, we can't get any one of these segments to truly agree as to what the best tool is. If we go to the executives, they really want to be able to prioritize at a very high level, and they want that to easily cascade down to all their teams. They don't want to prioritize three, four, five different systems. It's not, it's not what they need to do. If you look at project portfolio management systems, right, they can house project schedules. They can do all the prioritization. They're fantastic at resource management over the entire uh, industry, right, over everything that they do. But it's difficult to assemble all the pieces of work that happen, right? So they're not breaking it down to the level of detail developer needs. You don't want to put that level of detail in there. And you can't see what's really happening on the support side of the house. So it's very difficult to manage, even though it does a fantastic job at the financials. It does a great job of being able to do capacity and demand of resources. It does a great job of being able to uh, handle the demand of incoming work. And being able to look at my IT operation as a whole, that's where you house all of that information is in a project and portfolio management tool. Now, development tools, they do a great job of breaking down the work into smaller segments. They can be effectively tracked. They can even do some good project management stuff. But again, they lack the resource management piece. And a lot of times, you're doing duplicate entry at some point. If a support ticket has generated a bug then somebody's got to put that information into the development tool for that to work. So there's duplicate entry, there's handoffs, and also if I do have a project portfolio management tool and I have a development tool like Jira, Rally, something of that sort, then we're, we're constantly you know, trying to track information of what's going on. So if I just move something that was in Sprint 1 into Sprint 2, how do I notify my project management team and how do they update their schedules how do we effectively update the resource management side of the house so that we know what's going on? And so I constantly see clients struggle with, and, and I've heard things like this. So again, if you go back and listen to the show with John Stenbeck, you'll hear me ask him questions. I've heard things like, well, we're agile, so we don't need project management now. Or because we're agile, we can't tell you how long this project's going to take. Or because we're agile, we can't effectively tell you how long uh, it's going to take to estimate these resources. And I apologize to anybody who's a true agile fan out there, all three of those statements are false. Look, if a sprint is two weeks, that's 80 hours of effort. Now, I know I'm oversimplifying it and you guys use story points and all that kind of stuff, but in project management world, I can estimate two weeks is 80 hours. I'm going to throw it out there. Now, that's all we need in our system. It doesn't need to be any more complex than that. We're not going to hold anybody's feet to the fire as far as a baseline or anything like that, but in our system, that's all I need. 
Now, if I look at a support, to, <clears throat> excuse me, support system, again, it's got hygiene information. So I know a tremendous amount of information. And when you start looking at the time tracking of support, boy, you know, again, we would love in the IT desk to know that these HP printers are costing us, you know, $4,000 a month in support labor. But trying to get that level of detail in our support desk, ludicrous. Ludicrous to try to even try that unless there was a way. Unless there was a way where we could get all these systems to talk to each other in a very simple, simple platform. So what if there was that way? What if there was a way that we could set those project priorities at an executive level and easily make that visible to everybody that was out there? What if there was one place to manage capacity and demand of resources while accounting for all of their effort? I'm talking about all of their effort, right? Very simply, very easily. We could allow users to stay in their systems of record while accounting for all of their effort, but let them use the best tool for the user base. So I'm not going to force a support person to use a PPM tool or an agile person to use a PPM tool or a PPM user to use an agile tool, right? You can allow the development teams to work in what's an agile waterfall or hybrid environment, which quite frankly, I think we're going hybrid. I think most people are. For every application in your portfolio, you could understand the total cost, effort, key statistics. You can help generate make or buy, upgrade and remove, combination decisions. I'm talking about true understanding of the applications in your portfolio. Furthermore, throw on top of that, because now that I know that information, I could have targeted alerts for application managers. So what about knowing when my contracts are up for renewal, making sure my license counts are managed? and manage all of the cost of the application, including infrastructure and everything that goes with that. I could easily see the efforts of the daily activities that my resources are completing and see that they're aligned with the executive strategy and direction of the organization, right? And I find, not finding out that this you know, project was being worked on two months after the fact and find out why we even start that. Right? Something like that allows you to easily pivot and, and quickly when, when features or projects change and keep teams aligned from executive to the developer and everywhere in between and real-time updates of these different systems, which gives you faster time to market with projects and initiatives that deliver the right features at the right time. That's what we're talking about when we say that's the Wizard of Oz moment. You're listening to Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies 
can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. All right, we're back. Uh, we had a bit of a technical glitch there. I think what's happening is, is you know, sometimes when you have an idea like this that, that really can change things and, and really can revolutionize a marketplace like the IT industry, you know, sometimes it's not very popular. So I think I have one of these uh, old stodgy people who like to charge a ton of money for an idea like this out there actually snipping my phone lines. So uh, I think we've tackled him and, and security is taking care of him and we're back to uh, talking about what we're, what we're branding as total application lifecycle management. So where I left off there, we were talking about integrating all of these tools, and, and I was kind of giving you the what-ifs of, of where it's coming down, down to, and I was actually at my favorite part, because a lot of times when new ideas come out like this, especially in the software industry, you know, we say, and you know, for, for the simple implementation of 17 new software packages and ideas, you can have this, and, and that's not where we're going with this idea. The, the part where R-Square Consulting and, and my team has really been working is in leveraging the existing platforms that you've already purchased in order to deliver this idea or thought pattern. So, you know, some of you may have already may, may already have all of the things that you need, but just simply don't have the integration expertise or understand where to integrate, how to integrate, and why. But what we were saying right before the, the guy who, who snipped my wires out here was, was so rude to cut us off is, is, you know, we were talking about all the what-if scenarios here. And so I was saying, you know, the, the targeted alerts, faster time to market, um, all this thing, but leveraging our existing um, efforts and, and making sure that each group stayed within their own tool. So, again, we can't get everybody to agree what the best tool is for their segment. So, 
if if I rolled out project portfolio management and try to force the developers into it, there was going to be several things that they detract from. Same thing if I try to roll out an agile development tool and try to force the project managers into it, it's not going to have some of the scheduling power and some of the things that they're looking for. And so the, the, the best of both worlds is to allow everybody to stay in their system of records and with a couple of small modifications. And when we say modifications, again, we're not talking about all of this, you know, huge coding effort and all this other stuff. What we're talking about is a couple of places and enforcing the rules and things that we should be doing every day. And I'll go ahead and give you one of those from a freebie perspective. Start thinking about our support desk people. And, and again, I, this accountability of time, and, and I will get onto that, that soapbox here in just a moment. But the accountability of time and, and support does. One of the things that, that we talk about in, in the ITIL standards, and again, people that don't know the ITIL standards, is the IT Info, uh, Information Techni- Technology Infrastructure Library. And this was a huge study that was done overseas. And essentially what they did is, is spent years and years in, in a study, and they published a series of, of books, and they're free books that you can get, of how to truly run an IT organization. And they're all best practices. You, when you read them, you go, yeah, yeah, duh, of course, that's the way we should do it. But they're very, very good things. And a lot of companies try to build a business around enforcing ITIL standards. And, and there was this one big thing that everybody went after called the CMDB or Configuration Management Database. And, it, you know, of course, again, it makes sense when you start to think about it. But, but when people tried to actually enforce it or try to go after it, it turned out to be a huge time suck and money suck and the value everybody thought they were going to get out of truly doing a CMDB never came to fruition. So the CMDB was supposed to be, all right, we're going to build this big database that says, when I go after and I do application A, I know that application A sits on server B, server B has also application B, C, and D running on it. Uh, I know that it affects users 1 through 1001. And so if I'm going to take that down to do maintenance, I know who to notify, how it works, blah, blah, blah. Agree. Perfect concept. But when people actually try to start to go through that, it, it was a nightmare. So one of the things, though, that ITIL does talk about that I'm a huge believer in, specifically around a support desk, is every time you touch a ticket, you're supposed to put a note on it. So every time somebody calls in and I pick up the phone and I say I did some work on this ticket, I put a note on it. At the same token, if I'm one of those people that are moving around desks, so I'm a level two person, that means I get a set of tickets that come to me. There's 15 tickets that i got to work on today, and maybe I print those off, and I go around, and, and I help people. I, I visit their desk. I have to visit their computer. And, and you know, a lot of technology has helped us with that via GoToMeeting and, and some of these other things. But still, there may be people that leave their desk. Then when you go and do that, um, still, they print their ticket. When they come back, they're supposed to log in. They're supposed to say, I helped so-and-so, and, you know, this was the resolution, so on and so forth. But the point is, is every time that we touch the ticket, we're supposed to log a comment. What we do, the only modification that we ask for to make this whole system run, is that they add a, a little box there, and most, most systems have it, Heat has it, uh, CA system has it, uh, Remedy has it, is time spent. So I go in and I say, I spent 10 minutes, I spent an hour, I spent three hours, spent whatever. That's it. That's all we're asking for there. And your JIRAs, your Remedies, all the other stuff... They already have time because in most of your scrum meetings and that kind of stuff, you're doing an estimation of hours against story points. You log how many hours you spent. You log how many hours you have remaining. We have that there. And, of course, all the PPM systems have time. And with that information, we deliver the promise 
of all the stuff that I've been talking about so far over the last 40 minutes. It's that simple. It's the integration of all of those different things that gives us all of this information. It's just that we provide the know-how and can get over all of the political battles of doing so. So let's talk about that for a second. What's the largest political battle tracking time? Everybody doesn't want to do it. Of course they don't want to do it. It's something that's a pain to them. But you cannot give me a single solid good reason why somebody who works in corporate America today, especially within IT, shouldn't track their time, especially when we're looking at something like we want to manage costs, resource management, and you're talking to the guy who believes more than anything in the work-life balance. If you are truly somebody who believes in work-life balance and you are somebody who is trying to promote a better corporate infrastructure, a better corporate world, then work-life balance is where it's at. Tracking time is the way to get there. So, you can start throwing your objections. Look, you can dial 866-472-5790 and start telling me any of your objections to tracking time. And I, I promise you I can handle them because I've been there and done that. So the first objections I get are, uh, where do I track my time when I'm tracking my time? All right, we can get that one. I get the, uh, where do I track my time when I'm going to the bathroom, man? Yeah, I get that one too. But when it comes to accountability and it comes to trying to do what we're trying to do, the biggest thing right now is a lot of people are overworked. So I like to ask the question, who's not busy? And if anybody doesn't raise their hand, then we know we have a problem. But in corporate America today, nights and weekends used to be something that we asked for when it was something that was uh, you know, a special project. We had to get time to market. We had to be you know, first to market strategy. Maybe we were a startup, something like that. Now nights and weekends seems like it's the norm. So time tracking for me helps with that situation. Right? If we're a staff of 100, most organizations are running that staff of 100 like they're a staff of 125, 130. And nobody really speaks up because you know, they're happy to have a job. One of the other things is, is when we're really running the staff hard, the people who will leave you, one, are the people that wouldn't have a problem telling you what they're doing and tracking their time, and two, probably aren't the people that you want to leave. It's the people that wouldn't want to track their time or telling you what they're doing is the people that generally are going to leave. The other, sec- the other big part around tracking time, for me, is accountability. So it's a much different thing to say, man, I worked all night doing this thing, than to say I worked seven hours. So a perfect example of that is I, I had a kid working for me. He was a data warehouse architect. Now, I'm a standard project manager. I'm technical to a fault. I know a lot of stuff, but I don't profess to know everything. That's for sure. And so when somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm doing data warehouse architecture, I don't know what that means. And so uh, one of the worst questions I think any project manager asks, period, is what percent complete are you? I think it's totally subjective. People lie to your face. It, it just is what it is. So the question is, is how much time have you spent, right? And so he had a task called architect the data warehouse. And so I kind of baited him because I had that feeling in my in my gut that he really wasn't doing anything and we were billing the client for this task. So I said, what percent complete are you? And I know I said I just hated that question, but I'm going somewhere with it. He said, yeah, I'm about 55% complete. I said, okay, well, how many hours is that? How, how, how many hours have you worked on this task? How many hours do you have remaining? He said, I've uh, worked about 55 hours. I said, okay, cool. So you 55% complete. You say you work 55 hours, that means you got about 45 hours remaining. Is that about fair? And he's like, eh, it's fair. I said, great, well, show me. He said, show you? Show you what? And I said, I don't know. What does 55 hours of a data warehouse architect buy me? What, what does that buy me? 
And he goes, well, uh, you know, I don't know. I said, well, I mean, 55 hours, you got to have a document somewhere. You got to have a drawing on a whiteboard. You got to have, you know, a Visio something, right? What is 55 hours of data warehouse architecture by a data warehouse architect by me? I mean, what, what, what do I have to show for 55 hours worth of effort? And he had nothing, right? Which confirmed my suspicion. Now, if I hadn't asked that question, if I didn't have the 55 hours of effort to back that up, Right? Here's how he answers that question. He goes, well, you know, I consider myself 55% complete once I got everything done in my head. The other 45% is committing that to paper. Right? How do you argue that? Now, I'm not saying that time tracking is something that you use to validate or to push or, you know, again, to, to, to be big brother. But there is an accountability to say, I work seven hours on this document versus to say, well, I think about 60% complete with that document. And having said that, when we start to roll this up, do people lie? Sure. But I'm a very, very theory why person. I believe that most employees want to do a fantastic job and they want to tell you and they want to be accountable what job that they've done. And so when we start this time tracking methodology and we track time in all facets, what we're starting to do is pull this together. So let's bring this back to total application lifecycle management now. So imagine I've got application A. I could tell you, well, we had 192 bugs last year. We had 208 enhancement requests last year that we processed. There was you know, $250,000 worth of labor. We spent $108,000 on infrastructure. Uh, the licenses are coming up again. So I know what my total cost is, $600,000 to operate this, this application. There's got to be something better on the market. I mean, what, what kind of power do you have from an IT management or CIO perspective to be able to start to run your business like that? When you start looking at lowering costs in an, in an organization, everybody thinks it's a purchase. Everybody thinks it's, it's a way to you either lower your staff, outsource, or, or purchase other applications, which actually adds to your infrastructure. But what about how you're running those applications today? How many do you have? What do they cost you? And are they truly achieving the ROI that they promise? Because everybody who sells you a piece of software is telling you it's going to make your life better. But is it? And how is it making your life better? Wouldn't you like to know? Shouldn't you know? And have you ever known a true cost of an application in your infrastructure? And shouldn't that scare you? Because we've never, ever had the opportunity to pull all of this information together in one single place until now because life is software now and we are running in an application economy. And it's time to change the way we think and the way we do business in order to be differentiators in our industries. I want you to think about that. We can talk about it when we come back on the other side of the break. You're listening to Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business, and business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world, where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. 
build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end -end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end -end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And welcome back. We always like to thank our sponsor, CA Technologies. Uh, in fact, this show uh, should excite them greatly as they provide one of the greatest platforms out there to achieve exactly what we're talking about here when we talk about total application lifecycle management. Uh, we've done some phenomenal things. You know, what we're talking about here isn't, you know, something that's far-reaching or something that's in the future. We've actually done this. We can demo demonstrate a lot of this functionality um, and we're already starting to provide a lot of this. This isn't this long-term strategy that's three, four, five years away. Uh, we can provide this unique insight right now into this expertise of how, why, and when to integrate these tools. Uh, it, it's something that's happening now. So uh, for those of you that have thought about this or those of you that are wondering how this actually works, we can tell you today. So you can find us at rsquareconsulting.com. Reach out to me with Twitter at Rick A. Morris. Um, or R. Morris at rsquareconsulting.com. We'd, we'd love to, to share with you how this works. Um, you know, the, the, the key to this and the key of how this works is we, we don't want duplicate entry, right? We want all the, to allow all the systems to be updated. And the key phrase I love to use here is by the nature of the resources completing the activities they do every day. So every day they're updating tickets. Every day they've got to update rally. Every day that they have to go in, uh, to their PPM tool and, and update statuses and, and their project schedules and that kind of thing. But one of my favorite things that I always hear about when we do implementations is is people start talking about notifications. 
you, know, you want to be notified when when that thing has been pulled out of a sprint or when this ticket has been closed. We want to be notified. And, and the whole notification thing is crazy because everybody wants to be notified by email. But do we do anything by email, right? What what if we just absolutely update these systems in real time? So we can see the impact and what's happening and what's going on with, with everything. So this real-time integration of data can give you elite reporting, things you've never dreamed of before. And now that you have this central collection of data in, into one repository, the connections and things that you can start to see, we, we say that you're only limited by your imagination. I mean, that's really what starts to happen when you start to look at this at a holistic view. I mean, you get overall productivity increases, your processes start to improve, you get your lower costs, uh, you know, the, the, the resources have lower reduction in clicks and time uh, per resource that they're updating, you know, disparate systems uh, because everybody's staying in their native applications. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to go out there and try to build a one-size-fits-all type application. It shouldn't be. I mean, support desk systems should do what support desk systems do. Agile systems do what agile systems do. Project management systems do what project management systems do. Let's build this environment in which they all work together so that we can all start getting things you, you know, out there the way they should be. That's That's been the, the, the biggest revelation for us and a way to tie that together and, and bringing that expertise to market has been a, a phenomenal uh, uh, ride for us and something that, that we've been excited to do. And, and, you know, although we have our favorites in our systems, uh, we, we've worked with probably 25, 30 different systems already. Um, so it doesn't matter, right? We want to leverage what's happening out there already in the marketplace. But we want to leverage what, you know, the investments you've already made. Again, it's not saying let's dump all the systems and just buy this one package, even though every software vendor out there would, would rather us say that. It's, it's about leveraging the investments you've already made over time and, and the training and everything that you've already had in time. And, it, and it's about making this small improvement that just brings everything together that makes this, this whole piece so exciting. So that is what we mean when we start talking about total application lifecycle management. Um, we were on the time tracking piece as well. I always like to come back and, and, and tell everybody my favorite way to, to kind of combat that, that time tracking stigma. Um, again, you know, everybody thinks it's Big Brother. Everybody thinks, you know, well, you're doing this to support my job. And, you know, part of me always likes to say, well, yeah, we are. You know, you're here for 40 hours a week. What is it that you're doing every week? And, and be proud to say it. But what I love to do is is have the CIO or myself or somebody stand up in a training class. And, and the first thing that we say is, you know, I've never met the, the best employee who wasn't proud to tell me what they do every day. Now, who has an objection to time tracking? <laughs> so when you, when you put it out like that, you know, most people aren't going to object. And uh, again, there's so many negative sayers out there, naysayers, that kind of stuff. But you really can't get to the true management of your operations, period, without time tracking. And, again, and I love the debate of it. I love the debate of it. Anybody who likes to debate me on that, I, I'll sign up. You tell me anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Uh, will show up. But the merits of time tracking has its place in IT. The time has come. We've got to do it. Uh, you know, Almost every other profession out there has to do it in some way, shape, or, or fashion. And we've got to be accountable for the time that we're spending, especially when it comes to our own work-life balance. And, and the, the greatest thing there, what I love to do is tell people, if we do the time tracking portion, we have the way to be able to protect 
your work-life balance. So bringing this entire thing back to my show, and one of the, my, my favorite portions of that is if you are working 70, 75, 80 hours a week, man, put that into the time tracking. Let us push that out, bubble that up, and show what's happening so that we can make the case to go get the resources or push that project off or understand what's happening so that we can protect your work-life balance. Because to me, I think one of the biggest people or groups of people that's responsible for allowing that work-life imbalance is the project management group who hasn't pushed back on that mandated date because they don't have great estimates and they're not showing the fact that when we did move this project or did move that project, what it did to that work-life balance, and now everybody's working 65, 70 hours a week for a mandated date that hasn't been qualified, and we need to be able to show that stuff. So it, it is a huge, huge push in my teachings. It's a huge push anytime I do an implementation. As a matter of fact, it's a qualification of implementation. If a, an organization is not trending towards time tracking and they want me to do an implementation of a PPM tool, it's not something I'm really not interested in. I, because to me, these tools will eventually fail because we're not forcing people to get in and update the data and, and do the true use of the system. Uh, and so therefore, you know, it, it's just another glorified application. To me, time tracking is the ultimate success criteria to make PPM successful in an organization. So for those of you that hung on with me, I certainly appreciate it. I know we we're expecting to hear Peter Taylor. We will get Peter Taylor back on um, and, and get him out here next week. Um, we're going to have a guy um, that I owe quite a bit to. Uh, his name's Dan Bailey, uh, and he was my original mentor. So when I first became a project manager, uh, I worked for him. And, and while he can be a total pain, as a lot of us can be, he really instilled in me the roots of project management. He taught me what I know about PERT. He taught me what I know about writing a project schedule, about doing a work breakdown structure. Uh, taught me a lot of what I know about uh, understanding metrics and uh, deploying those about cost-based uh, accounting. Uh, just did a lot of stuff. So I was on an account as a very young man uh, for GE Capital. We were running a $10 million account. Uh, it was going awry. He came in and put in a lot of controls and just through osmosis uh, and him actually being very tough on me, uh, I learned a tremendous amount from him. He's now running uh, what's called a, a, a B Corp um, and a company called Amavita.com, which is now rivaling Starbucks, uh, but it's a socially conscious company that not only delivers some phenomenal coffee, but it helps uh, communities around the world as it does it. Uh, so he's left the project management world, but still uses those methodologies uh, to create some phenomenal uh, uh, socially conscious uh, companies. So he's going to come on. We'll talk about some history. He's going to talk about B Corps um, and uh, some some really cool stuff with, with Dan. So please join us next week on the Voice America Network. Always like to shout out Winston Price, who, uh, uh, again, wouldn't be here without him. Love the guy to death uh, and love talking to him any chance I get. I appreciate you guys uh, being a part of this every week, and we look forward to having you back on with us next week as we explore another chapter of the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.